Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, I'm Orlando Crowcroft, world editor at IB Times UK. Welcome to In the Field, a podcast where each week we speak to reporters across the globe covering the stories that matter. This week, we're taking a look at Ukraine. Earlier this month was the three-year anniversary of the Maidan protests. The demonstration has led to a chain of events that included the resignation of the president, the Russian annexation of Crimea, and separatist groups gaining control of much of the east of Ukraine. Three years on, and you rarely see Ukraine's war in the headlines, but the fighting remains. My first guest this week is Inna Shevchenko. She was one of the founders of Femen. The feminist movement started in Ukraine in 2008 and then spread to 11 countries, Inna fled Ukraine in 2013 and she now lives in France, but she keeps a close eye on what happens in her country. My second guest this week is Christian Boris. He's a Canadian freelance journalist based in Kiev. He's covered the war in Ukraine since 2015 for publications including IB Times UK. So here's our first interview this week with Inna. So the movement is growing internationally and I must say that it's probably running right now somehow on its own even though of course a lot of people are working regularly every day and including me i'm still running the the movement internationally but since you know our tactic and our ideas are already i think quite clear even though they are very often still twisted and still um you know there are a lot of manipulations in the media and and uh, yeah political manipulations too but still um, I think that right now the movement is already ready to run on its own and people just joining the movement and launching their branches of famine in different countries. So today I'm proud to say that we built something in Ukraine eight years ago that is today international. It's very much been kind of international since you left Ukraine. Do you, do you still keep your eye on what's, on what's happening in Ukraine? Of course, yes, we do. And, um, you know, but uh, today I must say that, well, since... 2012, uh, when I, I fled Ukraine, I had to leave Ukraine for political reasons. Um, since that moment, um, it was really not possible to continue activity um, in the streets. So we stopped our protest, uh, street protest in Ukraine uh, because, well, to be honest, uh, it was already quite impossible to do anything uh, from 2011, I would say. Um, because of because we just barely were, you know, followed 24 hours, and uh, we knew that we were followed. So it was kind of um, secret services would 
make us see and understand that we are followed and controlled. And um, it was quite impossible to do anything because if we would just uh, prepare a protest, the Secret Services would know about it and would, we would be just stopped on the way to the protest location we've chosen. So right now what we do as, as a, as a U- Ukrainian-born movement, what we do is that, of course, we... Um, we we express our opinion, we comment. However, it's very tough to organize anything in Ukraine at that moment. The, the regime did everything to destroy the movement in the country, to well, to stop our activity in the country. And uh, to be honest, we also felt like when Maidan protests raised up and we felt like when people rise up, there is no need for us to be there. When, when you know, a big part of population raises up for their rights and, and cares, starts finally to care about their future and does not feel that politics is not their business, then there is no need for such a group as Femin because we believe that our mission is to be these alarms or kind of detonators of, of civil uprising, you know, to, to shake the people and to, to alarm them about the danger. Um, however, when the millions are, or hundred thousands are coming up in the street, there is no need for such a movement like ours. Um, that's why, you know, we didn't we didn't feel like joining the manifestations in Maidan at Maidan. But what we did at that moment is we did the protest in Crimea, right, um, where people could not really resist the annexation and the imposed Russian uh, regime. Uh, which which is still the situation. So, yeah. So we we still you know even though with all the with all the opposition and repression we face. Well, to be honest, where you if you fa- face repression somewhere, that's exactly the place where as an activist you have to be. Otherwise, you know, if no if if you are, if nobody's trying to stop you, then uh, and if you're sure that you stand on the right side and you defend the right messages, that kind of the right thing for everybody that does not ex- exclude anyone yeah if you are sure that you're on the right side and if you face an opposition that's exactly the place where you're supposed to be as an activist the the protests in Maidan they seem to start very much uh you know pro-democracy movement but it seems like now it, it, Ukraine's become very much a kind of quagmire you know that with what's going on in the east and so on and that kind of spirit of Maidan seems to be very something of the past i think that if we if we say that ideas of maidan kind of are no longer there um then we if we say that then i want to keep in mind that in such case we would speak about politicians and authorities and if we speak about the people who were on maidan there is a there is a part of those people who are deceived and who do not do not believe in the success of those ideas anymore because of the very big deception and disappointments. However, there are still a lot of people who are, you know, carrying these ideas and for them they're very dear and they are, I'm sure they're very ready to come out again. Um, As you know, people like Maidan was actually the second revolution uh, in the history of independence of Ukraine. The first one was the Orange Revolution in 2004 and I was that time teenager, and that was the event that kind of shaped shaped me as an activist. Right. Therefore, I want to I want to believe, and I, I do know that there there is a there are young many many young Ukrainians who were shaped by Maidan events too, 
and there will be even more people, new people, new Ukrainians who would come up at the next revolution. And moreover, I'm really convinced that Ukraine needs few more revolutions indeed in a soon in you know in, in not like quite soon to to continue the successes of orange revolution the successes of maidan but i think is that we have to face that the country actually exists just for 26 years as an independent state um the country has been governed either by oligarchs or oligarchs tire um, uh, dictator. Um, so the, the the situation of the country is really, really bad and really, really tough. So it's it's probably superficial to believe that just in two or in three years situation might might change. Moreover, it's wrong to believe that situation will improve with the politicians who indeed were there and governed the country for the past twenty six years. Yeah. So I just want to remind the president of Ukraine, who is today, uh, Petr Poroshenko, who says, you know, who is portrayed as a very pro-European, and I, I want to believe that he is. Um, he was a, you know, minister of foreign affairs in the government of Yanukovych, the dictator he was, you know, so opposing right now in the recent events. He was part of the of his government and worked very closely with him. Um, the other politicians that are there, that are ministers and that are running the country today, we, I, I, I mean, I grew up in Ukraine and I, I've always seen the same faces on TV, in the news, when, you know, whenever it would be, you know, the, the politics, the political situation would be covered. It was always the same faces and they're still there. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest changes Ukraine really has, needs today is to support the emergence of new new politicians yeah. and there are a lot of a lot of obstacles for those people there are there are many uh, many educated and skilled people young people um, who would emerge and, you know as a politicians and with right ideas who would lead lead Ukraine to just new yeah different future would you ever be interested in going back there and, and being one of those politicians those new politicians you know if i answer today um, I will just say that I'm quite responsible to say that today I'm not ready yet. Uh, however, who knows what happens in future? Yeah. And so I know we're mainly talking about Ukraine today, but I mean, we, we can't really avoid the election of Trump. I mean, what, what, right. what does that mean for a feminist movement like Femen? I mean, how, how do you respond to that? If, you, if you're fine, I would just finish with Ukraine in connection to Trump um, election. Yeah, and of course. If, you know, what I like today we read, a lot of headlines that kind of mark what's like this new time they market they name it trump era and uh, if if there is really something like this um you know i i'm of course as as as, as just a just a person uh, who is uh, uh, quite sensitive to what's going on in the world and current affairs world affairs of course it's it's frightening um uh, the results of American election. But in connection to Ukraine, I must say that it's even more frightening for me as for Ukrainian, just, just as a Ukrainian, because indeed I think that such countries like Ukraine, who still didn't find their, who still so not stable and didn't find their way to, to progress, but are struggling to, it's so important 
you know, what's going on in, in, in the rest of the world, because those countries are looking up to those countries. And there is, I think that there is kind of a mirror effect, you know, there is kind of a, a reflection of what's going on in the big countries and it has big influence to what would happen in the countries to, to the changes that can happen in the countries like Ukraine yeah. that once again are on, on the way of you know searching on their way or for their way so it's it's frightening for me uh, that you know the, the most powerful country of the world chooses someone who to, to run their country who would just uh, who just threatens by by the, by his words and his messages and possibly um, his actions, future actions, also can just completely lose themselves on the way uh, for, for progress. So as a Ukrainian, first of all, and uh, as a young Ukrainian, of course, it is quite disturbing and uh, frightening for the future of Ukraine in regard to the future of Ukraine. But as a woman and as a feminist, as an activist feminist, um, you know, to, to, to see that, well, how I analyze the results of this election is that indeed the world is ready to give up today um, all the progress, social progress you know, the, the, including women's rights, human rights, protection of minorities that was reached in the recent decades, you know, let's say after Second World War, um, all this progress today is kind of taken for granted. Um, when people go um, to, to, on the election days and um, choose who they prefer to run their country, mm. it's taken for granted um, and kind of, compromised or you know just kind of forgotten um when they make their choice and like i have seen many i've, I've followed of course closely the elections and i've seen many um confessions of uh, people including many women who are open-minded and very sensitive to women's issues and uh, well they many of them vote gave their vote to trump However, they would just say, well, what he says about women or what he says about Muslims or about minorities is, is much, much less important than, um, for example, our economic situation or um, than a fight against uh, um, Islamism, yeah. which I, I just think is, is a huge mistake. Neither of this is more or less important. And neither of the neither of this has to you know be kind of compromised. Um, so I think that it's well you know it's just a young person also who's growing up in this time and kind of you know shaping herself as a politically aware person as and once again as an activist. It's quite frightening to see on the wave of this emergence of of right wing populists movements and there is a big fight in front of us and uh, as a woman as as a as a feminist activist i just say that i am frightened i'm threatened as a activist feminist as a young woman i'm threatened by the current situation um in the world uh, as any other young woman whatever she is is threatened today well we've always been threatened and we've never found our peace time and if you want, today is 
is we're just about to to engage in another uh, uh, big struggle for um, for our rights, mm. for our future and future of other women. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. So that was Inna. Now we're going to talk to Christian about the effect the war is having day to day on people in Ukraine, both on the front lines and in the cities. What brought me to Ukraine was uh, was the war. I just, uh, this was at a time when it was still going really heavy. It was before uh, Debaltseva. Debaltseva was in February 2015. And I went over in straight after Christmas, uh, so it was like January 6, 2015, and the war was still really, really heavy at that point. I mean, they'd signed uh, they'd signed a ceasefire agreement, but uh, obviously it hadn't worked at all. Um, and then uh, in January. Uh, I believe they started making uh, preparations for another round of talks, which became the Minsk II agreement. And uh, at that point, uh, they signed it, but there was this huge, huge battle in Debaltseva, Ukraine, uh, and the Ukrainians just got destroyed. Uh, and there's tons of evidence that, that showed that it was regular Russian forces and special forces that did the, that did the damage. The, um, the levels of complexity to covering this conflict, I mean, it's not only the political side, but I mean, it's, it's almost what, it's, it's a stalemate now on the front lines, I guess. So, I mean, how, how, do you, uh, how do you cover that? How do you find angles that interest editors? It's really difficult at this point. Um, I mean, it might get more interesting now that Trump is president, but we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But um, this year... It uh, after the Russians uh, went into Syria, well, that was that was October 2015. But since since that happened, Ukraine became sort of a secondary story. 
uh, and editors really didn't care about what was going on in terms of the war here, even though it, uh, there, there have been like significant spikes in, in fighting. Um, for example, this summer was pretty bad, but every summer in this war has been pretty bad. Uh, there's been a lot of like attacks with grads and, and stuff like that. Um, but you, I guess you really don't hear that much about it because it's not as bad as Syria, right? So yeah. trying to find angles, it's, it's become really difficult because a lot of the same stories have been done. But, um, for example, we did a story about this, uh, this Jewish battalion. And when I found out that they existed, nobody had any idea that, that all the people that have been here for a long time that I spoke to really had no idea that this battalion existed or had interacted with them. So it was, it was really interesting to find that. And it shows you that there's still those stories around. It's interesting as well, because it plays into this whole kind of narrative of Putin and, and Russia that the anti-Russian forces are anti-Semitic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think in every country you have the nut job right wing guys who are, uh, who are anti-Semitic, who are, you know, like the, the neo-Nazi types. Um, and that definitely exists in Ukraine as well. But from all the Jewish leaders that I've met, the Jewish friends that I have here, um, the Jewish battalion that we met, we asked them, have you experienced anti-Semitism? And they all said, no, it's... Uh, one guy laughed actually, and he said, "Like I have five, I have five synagogues in, in my city, in his small city in western Ukraine. So, um, it it exists, but it's a tiny percentage of the population. But I think the Russian media latched onto that and just ran with it, and it became it became a really popular narrative." The sad thing that I've found about a lot of the coverage in recent years seems to be the kind of fatalism that a lot of the soldiers have on the front. I mean, it just seems to be that they've accepted that this is just a kind of violent way of life that's not going to go anywhere fast. It, it just seems like it's the same routine day after day out there. Basically, you can go out and sort of be a normal human being during the day, and then at nighttime you know that the that the shells are going to start falling, the machine guns are going to start going, and everybody retreats into their buildings. Uh, and it's been that way for pff, essentially since February 2015. And one of the the interesting things that I, I realized uh, is that everybody calls it a low-grade conflict now, but uh, there was this period before... February 2015, where it was it was essentially classified as like full scale warfare. You know, you had tank battles and whatnot. Um, in that time, there were, I believe, around uh, ten thousand people who who had died, or, or five thousand in that full scale uh, warfare. And but since February 2015, there have been more people that have died in right. this low grade conflict. And obviously, it's been a longer time. It's been it's been almost two years now, eighteen months or whatever it's been. But um, people are still definitely dying from this so-called low-grade conflict. So it's it, and it's not going away anytime soon. There's no there's no solution. There's no um, there's no sort of idea 
of how to solve this thing. So at this point, nobody has any idea how long it'll go on for. Do you ever do you ever get the chance to go over to the Russian-held cities like Donetsk and these places, or do you mainly stay on the Ukrainian side? And and how difficult is to, is it to cross the front line? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, I stay on the Ukrainian side, but uh, uh, at this point, I know that a lot of uh, reporters have been basically given persona non grata on the. Uh, on the uh, separatist outside because right. they have their uh, Ministry of Information and they, they clear you to find out if you're able to uh, tell the stories that they want you to tell, essentially. Um, and if you've written anything critical of them, you're, you're not allowed in. It's In terms of getting across, um, people are still able to get across, but as a civilian, those lineups look like hell. Uh, and I believe recently, actually, there was um, there was shelling and gunfire that was that was going on at the points where you where you do cross. But uh, it's not impossible to cross. It's just it takes it takes a hell, hell of a long time to do it. To do it. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, especially during the winter. It's it's kind of a nightmare. And when you're in you're in Kiev, I, I imagine quite quite a lot because you're based there. Um, what do people kind of on the streets of Kiev feel about the war? Is it something that's quite remote, something they've, they've grown to, you know, accept, or, or are people still very angry about it? It's honestly, it's it's off the radar. Um, it unless you're in sort of uh, the circles that that really care about it, the you know, analysts, volunteers, journalists, soldiers. The regular person, um, the regular job that isn't affected by the war, uh, they really don't talk about it. You you do hear, you do hear about it on the news. You see reports and stuff like that, but but it's it seems like it's just long gone off the radar of most people. Uh, and it, I mean, I had this conversation with a soldier actually, and this was a year ago, and he said, "Well, you can't expect people to care about it for this long." So, uh, I mean, people just moved on with their lives, I guess. It's interesting because I would have thought there'd be a kind of nationalist element to it. I mean, this is areas of Ukraine, you know, not only Crimea, obviously, but, you know, the, the other areas of Donbass and so on that, that Ukraine could lose. And you'd think there'd be a real more outcry about that. Yeah, there was. But uh, at this point, there's honestly, there's a lot of people that I've talked to who just just don't care they want it to go away at this point they say like let russia have that area um of course you have people who lost friends or who fought in the war uh and that's the last thing that they think should happen because that means that their friends or died or or they fought for for nothing essentially if that if those areas are just given away but um yeah a, a lot of people it seems like they just they've just tuned it out and moved on with their lives and i guess we we can't really finish without talking about trump and the impact that that's going to have um he's obviously seen as quite close to putin um it's it's been seen as kind of bad a bad step for for ukraine generally yeah i don't think you'll find anybody who thinks it's a it's going to be a benefit um i know i know that the uh the former ambassador, the former American ambassador to uh, to Russia, 
he uh, he tweeted out as soon as Trump won that the the biggest loser out of the election will be Ukraine. Um, and it's not hard to see why. I mean, the things that Trump said during the during the campaign, he uh, he hinted that he would at least take a look at the annexation of Crimea, meaning he might recognize it. I I, I highly doubt that happens, but um, with the way that he's been going, he's totally unpredictable. So who knows what happens? But uh, he also seems to have indicated that this is russia's sphere of influence this area so if that's the attitude that he has um and the u.s and he kind of steers resources away from from this place and lets the russians do as they wish then uh i mean it it <laughs> that would definitely not be a benefit to ukraine no. um how bad it would be i i don't know i mean People started saying that it's going to lead to like all-out war or whatever. I really don't think that this war is going to uh, escalate to to some next level again because I just don't see the benefit for anybody in in that scenario. So that's the situation on the ground in Ukraine at the moment. We've included rich links to some of Inna Shevchenko's columns for IB Times UK and also to Christian's stories. If you're listening on Acast, be Drive sure on to go iTunes back and check them out. And leave us a review. There's plenty Next more week pieces we're going to be focusing on Ukraine on, on the website as well. So for more information, again. go to ibtimes.co.uk. Lastly, if you like this podcast, yeah. please subscribe okay. on iTunes and leave us a review. Next week, we'll be looking at the Philippines and Rodrigo Duterte's war on drugs that has made headlines around the world. Until then, thanks for listening and take care. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.